Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest for the Personal Finance Show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein, and today is episode 124. It's titled, Build Your Inventory, Discover Your Theme. First, to start off, I want to apologize to members of the Money for the Rest of Us Hub. I said I would cover a particular topic today, looking at where we are in terms of the economy, in terms of markets, in terms of just the progression of the recovery compared to where we were back in 2009 when the recovery began, particularly as the Federal Reserve anticipates again as they meet next week on September 21st, I believe, this is 2016, on whether to raise interest rates or not. And I found it's Tuesday night, I'm supposed to release the podcast tomorrow, and I just didn't get it all pulled together, so I'll release that next week. I just want to do a little more prep. And as a result, we're going to cover something else. As I sat down Monday, my process is to start writing, and and I began, and I just didn't just didn't pull it all together. So today, I want to talk about. First, let me relate a story. When I was in the Yucatan in 2014, we stayed at Hacienda San Pedro Nopat. This is an hacienda on the outskirts of Merida. It's owned by a Canadian couple. We've we've stayed there a few times. And in 2014, when I, I sat there at the breakfast table on the veranda of the hacienda, and a little boy nudged me with his book. His name was Faris, and he looked to be about three. He was the son of the hacienda's cook. Faris opened the book to a colorful two-page spread filled with rabbits, cows, and other animals camped out in a bedroom setting. ¿Qué es esto? Faris asked, pointing to a rabbit. Conejo, rabbit, I said. Faris repeated the words and asked for others. He sometimes pronounced the names in English, other times in Spanish. He pointed at more objects on the page, each time repeating, ¿Qué es esto? It was clear he already knew the answers as evidenced by the book's well-worn pages. He just wanted to revisit the thrill and freedom of knowing what something was named. He, the thrill of learning something new. Helen Keller, in The Story of My Life, echoed the same thrill when she first learned the power of words. She wrote, We walked down the path to the well house, attracted by the fragrance of honeysuckle with which it was covered. Someone was drawing water, and my teacher placed my hand under the spout. As the cool stream gushed over one hand, she spelled out in the other the word water. First slowly, then rapidly, I stood still, my whole attention fixed upon the motion of her fingers. Suddenly, I felt a misty consciousness as of something forgotten, a thrill of a returning thought, and somehow the mystery of language was revealed to me. I knew then that W-A-T-E-R meant the wonderful, cool, something that was flowing over my hand. 
that living word awakened my soul, gave it light, joy, set it free. I left the wellhouse eager to learn. Everything had a name, and each name gave birth to a new thought. As we returned to the house, each object that I touched seemed to quiver with life. That was because I saw everything with a strange new light that had come to me. Now, as I read those words and I related the story of Fadi's, there's something in my head that says, I've already said that before in an earlier episode. And, and if I did, I apologize. Maybe I did. I, I love that quote from Helen Keller. I remember in the second grade that thrill of learning. We were learning to write cursive script, and my teacher, Miss Shevney, introduced a new letter every few days. And then we would dutifully practice it on wide line paper. I remember just the excitement of figuring out, well, how does the B connect with the letter that was introduced? And, and that was just really, really cool. That same year, I remember learning how to write Roman numerals. And both cursive and Roman numerals felt like discovering an entirely new language. The summer of my, after the second grade, I went to a, a summer school. Mr. Petzl, the third grade, or Mr. Petzl, Petzl, Petzl? Pelzel, the third grade teacher wanted to teach a handful of students how to speak Spanish. And so I took Spanish and was thrilled to pick up new words and phrases like libro and biblioteca. As a teen, I also had satisfaction in learning new things. I mastered magic tricks and a new serve, how to serve in ping pong. Those were skills I generally picked up from books from the public library and then practiced with my hands. I was thrilled as an adult when I learned HTML and launched my first website in 2005 to sell our house, and later that year to launch a blog to document a trip to Australia with my son. Since 2004, I've consistently had some type of website, either a blog or something else that I've run on my own. I remember the thrill of learning investing in, in undergrad, buying my first stock with an online broker. Now, increasingly, my learning today involves digital tools, either getting the information from the internet or an ebook, or implementing what I learned, at least partially, with the computer. The, the physical world has merged with the digital wor- world. It's rare now for someone to show me how to do something in person. The one exception would be Dick teaching me how to fish. I'm, I'm more of a book learner. That's how I learn best although I rarely read physical books anymore. Most of it's electronic. Perhaps I should read actual books and hold them in my hand and turn the pages. Anne Magden Bente R. Walgermo and Coljorn Bronick, obviously probably mispronounced the names, conducted a study with Norwegian 10th graders where they showed reading comprehension was greater when students read the material on a printed page versus a PDF document. And I'll link to that to that study as well as the other show notes at moneyfortherestofus.net, episode 124. Or if you want to sign up for my insider's guide, I will have emailed those show notes to you as long with a summary article. And you can also sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.net. Or you can text the word insider to the number 44222 if you're a US, U.S.-based listener. Last weekend, I went with my family to the Teton Raptor Center. This was in Wilson, Wyoming, just over the pass from Victor, Idaho, which I talked about 
a few weeks ago. And the lecture was from a well-informed instructor. She was a volunteer with the AmeriCorps. I'm not sure she had started college or, or in between college, but she was providing some national service over for about a year with the Teton Raptor Center. In this Raptor Center, they re- rehabilitate raptors, eagles, kestrels, owls, etc. They also provide some education. The volunteer gave a lecture. It lasted about an hour, and she held live raptors in her hand, first a kestrel, then a barn owl, and finally a screech owl. She shared amazing facts, like how a kestrel can see in ultraviolet, picking up the glow of vole urine from 60 feet in the air. And then these voles just leave this little track of urine to mark their path, and the kestrels can see the ultraviolet light of that reflection and find their prey. She also related how the bald eagle, the U.S. national emblem, is a bully and a scavenger who, while being an adept hunter, prefers stealing fish caught by osprey. Ospreys are probably even better hunters, but they're smaller than bald eagles, and if the eagle wants that fish, it's going to get it. I admit, after about 30 minutes into the presentation, I was restless. The seats were hard, and I had my fill of bird facts. I resisted the temptation to look at my phone, but I was annoyed at myself for not having the patience to sit for an entire hour when there were live birds as props. Joelle Redstrom is an author and a teacher. She recently wrote in the online website Aeon. And she wrote, While my students, undergraduates at Boston University, who are taking classes on writing and research, agree that there's a problem if they can't go 50 minutes without checking their phones, few of them can resist, despite knowing that this is my biggest pet peeve. In the minutes before class, the ones I used to spend shooting the breeze with students about TV shows, sports, or what they did over the weekend, we now sit in technology-induced silence. Students rarely even talk to each other anymore. Gone are the days when they gabbed about the impossible chemistry midterm they just took or the quality of the food at the dining halls. Around the 30-minute mark in class, their hands inch toward their backpacks or into their pockets, fingers feeling around for the buttons as though their mere shape offers comfort. When I end class, they whip out their phones with a collective sigh of relief as though they all just been, they've all just been allowed to go to the bathroom after having to hold it all day. Now, even in class, they, they, just, they have their laptops there, and most of them are doing something else. They, she mentions in the same article, University of Waterloo professor went and posted a postgraduate student at the back of the lecture hall to, discern, to observe what the students were doing, and 85% of them were doing something unrelated to the class on their laptop. A, a similar Cornell University study confirmed most students engage in high tech doodling and, and or some form of communication during class. And and this the author of the article, Joelle, wonders, you know, at sixty-five thousand dollars a year to attend Boston University, why aren't the students focused specifically on the lecture and, and not getting distracted? But is it entirely the fault of the students? We are able, it seems like with so much information at us, we're able to process it faster. And if this teacher is teaching in the same way that they did 25 years ago, 
then, then that's a problem. I remember my high school. My high school consisted of the teacher wrote the notes on the board, and I copied it in my notebook. And, that, and I, I essentially endured high school. And I actually had to revisit that a few years ago. My son wanted to take and get our motorcycle endorsement. And to do that in Idaho, you had to sit in this classroom for uh, over two weekends. And for six hours, we sat, and this teacher made us pay attention as he just wrote stuff on the board, and we wrote it down. I thought, literally, I was going to go mad. Later in the day, we got to ride the motorcycles around the parking lot. We never rode on the street. I, I probably couldn't ride a motorcycle today if I had to, but I had my endorsement because I could ride in the parking lot. Let me pause here to share some words from this week's sponsors. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com David for your extended 30-day free trial. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades my first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Now, I'm finding that I'm starting less books this year, and certainly I'm finishing less. My attention span is shorter, and my impatience with, with mediocrity is greater. I don't finish as many books. If, if They've got to earn the right to read to the next chapter, as Seth Godin says. But one of the things I find I still can do is I can, I can hike for a half day, 
or fish. I, I can get lost walking in the city. And remarkably, what I have found is if I'm listening to a podcast while I'm doing something else, while I'm walking or, or going, and I don't typically have a podcast on while I'm, I'm actually in the river fishing, but I have in terms of walking to where we're going to fish from by myself, I find I actually remember things better when I'm doing something else as I'm listening. And I and maybe you've experienced the same thing. I can actually remember where I was when when something particular specifically was said in the podcast. So it's sort of the movement and the location of being somewhere helps me remember that. And there appears to be, I couldn't find a really, really good study, but some of the anecdotal evidence suggests that, that some type of stimulating activity, be it physical activity or color or novelty, that are baked into routine tasks helps us stimulate us and helps us improve our performance, our comprehension, and reduces sort of the disruptive behavior, which is why usually in a lecture people are moving around. They're doodling or something. That's, I think that's more natural. Now, I've mentioned some of the skills I've picked up over the years. Many of them I don't do anymore. I don't write in cursive anymore. I, I don't even know how to connect the letters. I, I rarely, I don't do magic tricks Sometimes I play ping pong, still play tennis, spend a lot of time. I hardly ever play tennis. I actually played tennis for the first time after doing that, that episode of uh, when I talked about my tennis career in high school. I, I actually played with, with Dick. Dick, my, my fishing mentor, we went out and we, we played tennis. He's 73. He's out there playing tennis. And I lost because I'm just not that good anymore. But just found joy in the process of getting a serve in and getting a nice backhand or forehand. So many of the skills, and think of the skills you have, we just don't use anymore. We've collected inventory and we we don't use many that we do use. But as we go through that process of lifelong learning, hopefully there are some themes that we pick up that we find that we consistently do over time, there's certain things that I do. I, I can sit and I can sit and write for six hours. If I'm working on an article prepping for the podcast, I can spend time recording it. I find I process and learn by teaching and writing. And, and that's something I've consistently done throughout my career. We need to find the balance between learning new things but also continue with one theme so we can get better and better at it and become experts. Now, in your 20s, and, I, and I've seen this with my kids, they're still f- trying to figure out what is that theme. And there you, you're t- trying many, many more things. But eventually, we have to least settle on one or two things so we can continue throughout our life. We'll continue to add new skills, but if we got one or two things, then we can get better. Back in episode 28 of the show, I introduced the Shuangzi. This is ancient Chinese philosopher, wrote about three to 400 B.C., and he tells his story in this book. He, he mentions there was a cook who butchered an ox for a king, and each stroke of the knife was perfect. It never hit a bone or got caught in a tangle, and the whizzing sound of the knife m- made was as music, and the smoothness of each cut left the knife as sharp as the day it was made, even though it had never been sharpened. Now, the king noticed the grace with which the cook prepared the ox. And here's what the cook said. He put down his knife and said, What I love is the way, something 
that advances beyond skill. When I first started cutting up oxen, all I looked at for three years was oxen, yet I was unable to see all there was to see in an ox. But now I encounter it with the spirit rather than scrutinizing it with the eyes. My understanding, consciousness, beholden to its specific purposes, comes to a halt, and thus the promptings of the spirit begin to flow. I depend on heaven's unrivaled perforations and strike the larger gaps, following along with the broader hollows. I go by how they already are, playing them as they lay. So my knife never has to cut through the knotted nodes where the warp hits the weave, much less the gnarled joints of bond. A good cook changes his blade once a year. He slices. An ordinary cook changes his blade once a month. He hacks. I've been using the same blade for 19 years, cutting up thousands of oxen, and yet it is as sharp as the day it came off the whetstone. For the joints have spaces between them, and the very edge of the blade has no thickness at all. When what has no thickness enters into an empty space, it is vast and open, with more than enough room for the blade. That is why my knife is still as sharp as it has come just off the whetstone, even after 19 years. Now, that that's a butcher. And the, just sort of can see the gaps because it's intuitive. He doesn't, have to, he doesn't focus on his eyes. It's all unconscious. He's gotten that good at the activity. Now, sometimes he hits roadblocks. He says when he comes to a clustered tangle, realizing that it is difficult to do anything about it, I instead restrain myself as if terrified until seeing comes to complete halt. My activity slows and the blade moves ever so slightly. Then all at once I find the ox already dismembered at my feet like clumps of soil scattered on the ground. Wow, to be an expert like that. That's why we need to find a theme. I saw this recently. One of my favorite authors is Anne Patchett. I've been reading... Her first novel, it came out in 1992. She wrote most of it in her head while working as a waitress at TGI Friday. She had got an undergraduate degree in writing and a graduate degree in writing, and she had worked at it, but then she went back to Tennessee and took a job as a waitress, one, because she hadn't sold any writing, she needed the money, and two, just to sort of allow some time to write. She wrote in her a memoir, it's called The Getaway Car, a practical memoir about writing and life. She writes, There were things I learned about writing while working as a waitress that I hadn't come during my student years. And the first was my own level of commitment. As months went by, I knew I wrote because it was a joy. And if I kept on being a waitress forever, writing would still be my joy. Yet she was going to finish the novel. This was her getaway card, this first novel. I wrote it. It's pretty good. I mean, I'm reading it. I haven't finished it yet. It's not as good as her other book. She has a book that was released today. I pre-ordered it. It's called Commonwealth. It's been 24 years since her first novel. The novel will start. The Commonwealth starts. The christening party took a turn when Albert Cousins arrived with gin. I've only read three pages, and it is just so subtle. She's an expert writer because she spent 25 years doing it. 
you know when you read an Ann Patchett book, you are in good hands. I, I don't, I'm going to take my time reading it because it's just, just going to be so well done. She's like a butcher in the Zhuangzi, but she writes with the pen. Recent Japanese movie I saw on Netflix called Sweet Bean, and it centers on a character named Sentaro who's middle-aged, and he runs a small doriaki shop, which are Japanese pancakes. Sometimes they're filled with bean paste. And you watch that movie, and you realize he's an expert. It comes natural. And when somebody else comes, a new employee, to try to do it, it just doesn't come. And so we, we need to be... One, learning new skills always. That gives a thrill to life. And it builds up our inventory. We need to take those skills and we need to be constantly creating and shipping new things. So we can use those skills and some of them will fall away. We won't use them again for years. But ultimately, we then want to find a theme that, that something that we that's a strength that comes easy to us that we can then continue to take on to the next level. And part of that is finding the right environment that, that we work in best. And, and, and sometimes it's hard to recognize that. I've had a recent experience with somebody I'm close to where they have been practicing a, a skill for the past four to five months and they realize that this just isn't, isn't the right fit, that they don't want to be inside all day for, for their employment, and now they're exploring something else. And, and, and they're in that position because they're young. That's the time to do it when you're young and in your 20s. As you add new inventory, you add new skills, and ultimately you want to find that theme that you can continue through the rest of your life. So you can become an expert, an expert writer, an expert butcher like on the Zhuangzi, perhaps an expert tennis player, an, ex- an expert photographer but we have to find that theme because it what a joy it is to to have done something for decades to get better and better and better and, and not to rely and try to, to expect it to get necessarily get paid for it to worry less about the outcome and more on the joy in the process of doing so that is episode 124 shorter episode today so mentioning you get show notes on moneyfortherestofus.net and also on the homepage because today's episode is a little shorter. There is a free investment course. I just loaded this a couple weeks ago. This is one of the courses on the Money for the Rest of Us Hub, and I'm making it available for, for all listeners of the show or anyone that finds it. It's called Learn to Invest in Seven Steps. Over three hours of content, 20 lessons. We start at the very beginning, how to open a brokerage account. We also talk about what are stocks, how do you find a stock, what are ETFs and ETNs, what are some of the risks of ETFs and ETNs, what about mutual funds, closed-end funds. We talk about asset allocation, why focus on asset classes. I share some of the key learnings from my investment mentors, and we talk about continuing to keep experimenting. And if you sign up, I'll send you some additional value-added content. And I've re-recorded some of the videos. We talk about how we improve over time. I was listening to some of the earlier videos in that. Just too slow. So I re-recorded them to make them faster. And, And you've noticed that in the podcast. I speak faster now than I did when I first started, primarily because we process information 
faster. So go to moneyfortherestofus.net and sign up and register for that free investment course, Learn to Invest in Seven Steps, and, and that'll make up for the little shorter episode today. Everything I share with you in this episode has been for general education only. I have not considered your specific risk profile. I have not provided investment advice at all. This is simply general education on money, investing in the economy. Have a great week.